You're listening to the Renovation Church Sermon Podcast. For more information on services and events at our Simpsonville and Greenville locations, visit us online at therenovation.church. Today's message is presented by our senior pastor, Jeremy Havlin. So the title of the message is gonna seem kind of innocuous in and of itself. It's called A Good Name. Here's a passage of scripture from Proverbs, ready? A good name is more desirable than great riches. To be esteemed is better than silver or gold. By the way, there's a lot of get rich quick schemes out there. There's a lot of people who have a substantial amount of wealth. I remember when I moved to the country of Nicaragua, the former president of the country that we were in was ranked in the transparency list of the last hundred years of one of the most corrupt leaders. So we moved to Nicaragua. We're down there. He's, he's this ex-president, still wielded a good amount of power, still does, unbelievable amounts of wealth, and yet he's ranked on the transparency list at number seven in the last hundred years of the entire world of one of the most corrupt leaders. What happened is a massive earthquake came into the country of Nicaragua in 98, and billions of dollars of aid came in, and none of the money made it to the people. It all made it to him. And it was heartbreaking. And so here you are, and you can actually, he's under house arrest and you can drive by his house. Unbelievable amounts of wealth with not a good name. And so the Bible basically says this, it is better to have a good name than great riches. And all of us understand what a good name is. We can understand that when someone has a good name and what that means. So we would should and desire to aspire to actually wanna have a good name that when then when you say you're gonna do something, you know you're gonna do it. I wanna even take this a step further. As followers of Jesus, and one of the things said many times in this church is that Christianity is not a spectator sport. We have made, unfortunately, sometimes Christianity a spectator sport. Come, go to church, and then go in your life. I'm here to tell you, you are the church. You don't go to church, you are the church, so when you leave, you take church with you, because it's you. And so we represent what God is wanting to do in the world. And by making Christianity a spectator sport, it's easy to disassociate ourselves. Well, that's somebody else's job. I'm here to challenge you, it's your job. That what Christ wants to do in you is what something, and so having a good name, the Bible always talks about our witness, our testimony. It really, really, by the way, it really, really matters to God. So we know a good name's important. But having said that, here's the thought, and this is what we're gonna talk about today, ready? A good name cannot be built on a foundation of lies. Immediately when this series of Proverbs came up, we're praying through it, there was two things. I wanted to talk about friendship. I'm deeply concerned that a lot of people today don't know how to have, find, and be good friends. And that may seem like it's not a big deal, but it's a huge deal. And then Jason led us in an amazing message on on, uh, Proverbs 6, adultery, and then Dean did an awesome job last week. I want to honor him for that. But the other thing I wanna talk about, which is something that every one of us in this room has done and sometimes thinks is not a big deal, is lying. There is an unbelievable amount, like we just lies. People lie so much. And in this room, it's not out there, it's in here, we lie. We're deceptive in, in what we say and how we say things. And I want to confront this because this is not a, this is, if you think this is not a big deal, I promise you it's a big deal. Actually, so I'll, I'll put it this way. Before my wife and I lived in Fountain Inn, we were in Simpsonville. My son, who is now 10, was probably three and a half, maybe four at the time, full on toddler phase. We're in the bonus room. 
He's watching a show, getting up, playing with toys. I'm fixing, I think I'm building a shelf. So I have some of my tools out. And, and as I'm doing this, he's grabbing some of my tools and pretending to play with them. And I'll never forget, as I'm building something, I'm looking at him. He took, in this, took the screwdriver and was using it as like a sword slash knife. He's a three and a half year old boy. I'm like, hey, do what you gotta do, right? So full on, like this. And somewhere in his three and a half year old, four year old little mind, he's like, how awesome would it be to see what this would do if I hit it against the TV? And so... I'm doing this. It's like slow motion. I have the shelf. I turn to see my son. And he just, at the TV, which by the way, was kind of brand newish, goes and just full on, and puts all, first, fortunately, I was like, okay, A, are you okay? Like, are you electrocuted? No, he was fine. So then it went from, are you okay? To, you are not okay, because I'm going to kill you. If electricity's not going to do it, I'm going to do it. I mean, he just rammed it in there. To this day, these years later, I remind him, hey, bud, remember the TV that you just shoved a big screwdriver in? And he did. He punched it a hole in it. And then from then on, you know, you, you, the pixels were all broken. Okay, that, that's, you know, as an adult looking at a toddler throwing something, you, he, he was damaging something valuable. But a, a three and a half year old doesn't think about it that way. A three and a half year old's like, oh, what would this be like? We treat our words the exact same way as that. God says, what you say actually is a really big deal. But the way we act, by the way, can I just tell you I'm preaching to myself? I have, I have issues when I drive. And I'm, I'm a very imperfect person. We treat our words as if there's no consequence to them. Or the things that we say don't somehow hurt things or even improve things. We just, it's like a three and a half year old with a screwdriver being like, oh, is this a cool idea? And yet I would be willing to bet that some of the biggest pain in your life has nothing to do with physical. It's all what was said over you years ago. That's how much of a big deal it is. And so for some reason, we go into this vortex of like lying's not a big deal. And we do it. I, I can't, it, it, it blows my mind how often people are okay with lying. And how easy it is. I want you to look at this verse in Proverbs, ready? And if you think it's not a big deal, this should hopefully clear it up. The Lord detests lying lips, but he delights in people who are trustworthy. He detests lying lips. He hates it. He doesn't, he's not like, eh, it's not a big deal. And by the way, this is, what I love is that when you, listen, science backs this up. If you go into the science world, just take a scripture out of it. Take, take out of it. Science will tell you this. In fact, I was reading this. It was fascinating. In, in a, 20, a 2015 review, it says this, that lying can cause an array of negative health outcomes, including high blood pressure, increased, increased heart rate, vasoconstriction. Okay, I should have looked at that beforehand instead of right here and elevated stress hormones in the blood. That's what lying can do, but here's even the bigger deal, ready? We've all heard the little white lie, not a big deal. Science now tells us, and it's interesting, they did this massive study, this is over in the UK, that you train your brain that when you get used to little white lies, you actually begin training your brain to be okay with much bigger lies, which leads you down darker paths. So it's actually the little white lies that lay a foundation for the much bigger lies which lead you down wrong paths. And eventually you find yourself in all kinds of trouble. Now it's interesting how none of us in this room like being lied to. 
We hate when we're lied to. In fact, we've developed mechanisms in and of ourselves to try and spot, am I being lied to? If someone ever comes to you and says, hey, listen, do you wanna make $8,000 a month working from your house? All you have to do is sign up for this program that I've got. Immediately, you're like, yeah, I'm good. That feels very multi-level marketing slash pyramid scheme. You're immediately like, yeah, I don't know if I trust this. None of us like being lied to. And yet it's amazing how easily we can be, how we can fall into it ourselves. When, when I was a kid, one of my first experiences with lying and the consequences of it were living in Peru, South America. My parents did not have a lot of money. We were resource limited, but I'll never forget. I think it was for my sixth grade birthday. My parents bought me a bike and I was very athletic. I, was, I loved being outdoors. And when they got me that bike, it was a huge deal. It cost my parents a lot of money. It was incredible. And my dad taught me how to ride a bike on that bike. I absolutely loved it. And I would go around different parts of the city. And we went to a park one time when I was six years old. And at the park, another little kid was there. He goes, oh man, can I, you already know where this is going. Hey, can I borrow your bike? I said, I said yeah. He's like, I'll just ride it around for a little bit. I said, okay, so you just ride it around the block and come back? He goes, yeah. He just kept on writing. And, and, and I have this memory. In fact, I, I hate it. My, my, honestly, the picture of this is up high in my closet. I was gonna ask my wife to get it, but the box is super heavy and I didn't want my wife to get hurt. So I would show you a picture, but I forgot about it until I was here on Sunday morning. So I can't show you a picture, but it's this bike that only I have an image of that I had for a while that was stolen from me from someone who lied. He just, they lied. Lying can seem innocent, but it's so much more than that. Because lying can lead to things like manipulation. And if you've ever been manipulated, who, who's been manipulated in this room? When I, was, when I was 16 years old, we moved from South America, my family, to Virginia. I'm a new kid, new church. It's a larger church. It's a youth group. I'm trying to figure out how I fit in. And, and I, I, was, I, like, I, I got along with people pretty well. And so I'm new to the youth group and this girl I started to kind of like, I thought she kind of started like me. Well, one of the kids in the youth group was a popular kid. He's like, oh, hey, Jeremy, why don't you come hang out at my house? So I'm like, hey, I kind of like this girl. He's like, oh, you do, huh? And he's like, well, do you think she likes you? I was like, yeah, yeah, I think she does like me. He goes, well, you should call her up and see and ask her out. I'm like, well, I don't know if I want to do that. He's like, no, 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 you should call her up. I was hanging, I spend the night at his house. He's like, no, you should call her up. And he was one of the cool kids. I was like, no, no, no. He's like, no, but if she really likes you, you should call her. And I was like, all right, fine. So next to him, I get the phone, I call her up. I said, hey, hey, so-and-so, I want you to know, hey, listen. He said, well, I was like, how are you doing? <laughs> this is 16-year-old Jeremy. I had hair, by the way, back then. So I'm like, hey. <clears throat> I was like, hey, so listen, I know I'm kind of new here, but I have feelings for you. I just want to know, hey, so do you like me? She goes, yeah. I was like, so we can kind of start hanging out? She's like, yeah. So I'm like, oh, I hang up the phone. I'm all like, oh, this is super cool. And the, and, and the kid next to me is like, oh yeah, that's great. Oh man, that's really cool. Until 24 hours later at church on Wednesday night. It all came to light. They had been in a secret dating relationship. And he got me to call her out to see if I could expose her for cheating. Hallelujah. <laughs> it's funny now, but when you're a new kid and you're trying to figure stuff out, can, can we be honest for a second? We treat lying like it's not a big deal when it leads to things that are unbelievably big deals, aren't they? It, it's, it's crazy to me. 
it, 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 breaks, it breaks my heart. Look at this verse. I want you to see Proverbs. Look at this verse. It says this. From the fruit of their mouth, a person's stomach is filled. With the harvest of their lips, they are satisfied. The tongue has the power of life and death, and those who love it will eat its fruit. When you look at the Bible, in fact, look at Jesus. <clears throat> You're gonna see Jesus over and over again say this. The words of your mouth, he refers to your words as fruit. And if you have good ground, good soil, which is your heart, then the fruit is gonna come, it's gonna be good fruit. And the Bible talks about this all the time. Good fruit comes from good ground, bad fruit comes from bad ground. And so here, listen, listen, to, what, listen to what Solomon says, ready? The quality of your life depends on the words that you speak. I wanna say that again. The quality of your life depends on the words that you speak. That's what he's saying. That the stomach is filled by the fruit of your words. And I could guarantee you, if you meet someone who's unbelievably bitter, the quality of their life is bitterness. If you meet someone unbelievably selfish, the quality of their life is selfishness. If you meet someone who lies and lies and lies and lies and lies and lies, the quality of their life is lying. Am I confronting this hard enough? I, I, this is a huge deal. The reason it's a huge deal is because I think we're in a free-for-all in a culture where you just do whatever feels good without any regard for truth anymore. And that's not how we as Christians are meant to live. And so he's talking. Now let me just give a quick little side note. Holy cow, I need to, oh man. Okay, all right, here we go. Quick little side note. Honesty means that everything you say must be true, not that everything true must be said. The flip side of this is that some people use truth as a weapon. Some people use truth as, no, you really are kind of a jerk. You know who you are. We need to be people who balance. We, everything we say must be true. Not everything true must be said. Y'all know what I'm talking about? Okay, so let's, let's real quick. Why do we lie? Let's talk about why we lie for a second. I'm gonna go through this pretty quick because I, hey, I don't have time, I'm running out. So here it is. Why do we lie? Number one, obvious, protect people's feelings. Protect people's feelings. Here's, here's, let me give you another one, and these go hand in hand, ready? We wanna avoid conflict. It is sometimes a lot easier to not deal with it than it is to deal with it. Can I give you a distinction, by the way? There's a difference between being a peacekeeper and a peacemaker. Peacekeepers avoid conflict because it's much easier to throw your head in the sand and pretend like it didn't happen. And in reality, conflict bubbles up all the time. Peacemakers, you know what peacemakers do? They confront conflict to deal with it head on. They bring it into the light. Let's talk about this. Let's open it up. And, and, and listen, the, the best way to navigate through being a peacemaker is being just honest with where things are. But why do we lie? Why? Because we want to protect our people's feelings. We want to avoid conflict. Here's another reason. Ready? We want to look better. Let me, this is a, 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 an announcement have you ever been in a, in, a, in a thing where someone's telling a story like, hey man, the spider came to get me and it was pretty big, but then there's someone in the crowd's like, yo, yo, that's nothing. There was a spider this big that came to get me. The one-upper, you know what I'm talking about, the one-upper? Here's my PSA for you. Stop being the one-upper if that's you. If you're the one-upper that has to one-up anyone else's story, just stop. Let them tell their story and enjoy it. And then if you're in an environment where you can one-up it, that's fine. Lying to look better is something that all of us have done. When I started losing my hair, I became an expert at like 
deceptively moving my head around so they could look thicker. We lie, and that's obviously silly, but for the things that are not so silly, we can lie easily to try and make ourselves look better. Let's keep going. We lie to be able to get ahead, and we lie to be able to hide our secrets. So these are all things that would seem like, and here's how the enemy tricks us, ready? The thing that we think is gonna make it better in the short term ends up making it harder in the long term. I wanna make a distinction. This is, the, this is the difference between God and the enemy. Your adversary, the Bible says, is always gonna make it easy for you in the, on, the front, on the front end of things. If you, if you do things the enemy's way, it's always the best right away. Oh, this is awesome, it's fun, it's great. But there's a price to pay on the back end. God is the opposite. God is always, it's hard on the front end. God is always, let's just deal with this. But you know what's awesome about God? If you're willing to do the hard thing on the front end, you know what's on the back end? Freedom. I want you to see this distinction because it absolutely, absolutely matters. So we lie and all of those things I mentioned, we do it because we think it's gonna get us ahead. It seems like it's in our benefit on the upfront, but there's always a price to pay. Let me give you three quick stories of people. These are real people who have found themselves in positions just because they found themselves lying. Ready? Here's three quick different stories. Here's someone. My whole life I've struggled with telling the truth. My problem is that I hate to disappoint people. So if I failed them, I lie about it. I also lie because I'm trying to impress people and to convince people to do something I want them to do, manipulation. I've even lied to women in the past to get them to sleep with me. It's a pattern of someone who finds themselves doing it. Let me, here's another person, ready? <clears throat> I pretend that everything in my life is perfect, but the truth is, is that I hate myself most days I wish I would die. My family and friends don't have any idea and no one knows that I think about killing myself every day. Lies. It keeps someone bound. Here's the, here's the last one, ready? And this is, this is a tough one to read. My husband thinks I was a virgin when we got married. Not only was I not a virgin, but I had an abortion when I was 19. Now I can't get pregnant and I'm afraid God is punishing me for my lies. And she asked, please, please pray. Lies. And so what seems innocuous at first, what seems like it's not a big deal at first, can actually lead you to make decisions. And this is how the enemy binds us. Something you've heard me say, probably ad nauseum. It is not God's power that sets us free, it's God's truth. God's truth. Think about that. When we think about God, we think, we, we, when I was a kid, I would open up the Bible and I would read all these miracle, miraculous things in the Old and New Testament. I would read how God would lead the Israelites on dry ground through the Red Sea to escape the Egyptian army. I would read how God shut the mouth of lions for Daniel. I would read about, listen, I would see the miracles and I'm like, that is a God of power. And then the New Testament, I would see a God who could feed the, the 5,000 with, with five loaves and two fish. And I could see a God who could make the lame to walk and the blind to see. And you think about in our life, how does God actually work in us? And can God do those supernatural things? Yes. But it's not God's power. It's not the miraculous move of God that sets us free. It's his truth. And the reason it's his truth is because we're bound in lies. And so the Bible says, truth is a huge, huge, huge deal. So who do we lie to? Real quick, who do we lie to? Well, we lie to others. That's obvious. We lie to God. I think sometimes when we lie to God, it's, let me, let me give you a, okay, the Bible makes it clear that if you make a vow, you better stick with your vow. 
a year, I probably should ask my wife ahead of this. My wife, my wife made a vow of not reading for a year. My wife loves reading. And so she made a, she loves reading. She has a Kindle, Kindle Unlimited. She can throw down on a book like nobody's business. And so she loves reading, but she felt that she was supposed to make a vow to the Lord to not read for an entire year. She made the vow in, on January 7th, I believe, of 2021. I think that's right. And so she said for one year. Now, in my mind, I was like, okay, at the end of December 31st, now she can read again. She goes, no, no, no. I can't read until after January 7th, 2022. Now, I can't believe I'm gonna tell you this. I was like, babe, it's fine. Just, like, you know, read. Because there's some moments of stress and different things we went through. And she goes, no, I made a vow to the Lord and I'm gonna keep my vow to the Lord. And it convicted me. And I watched my wife and I had forgotten. Listen, one of the ways that we lie to God, ready? God, I'm gonna do something. And then you know what? We don't do it. And so we, we, this is a huge deal. And I, it was a convicting reason. I watched my wife live this out. She made a vow and she, she followed through. And one of the ways I also think we lie to God is this, ready? We barter with God. I know you don't barter with God because everything's perfect in your life. But we go to the God table, we're like, God, if you do this, I'll do this. Anyone done that? No, y'all are perfect. Y'all walk on water, that's cool, I get it. You can't even shower because the water just splits. And, or, I don't, okay. You go to take a bath, you go to take a bath and you're on dry ground, I can't get clean, okay, all right. You're so righteous, I understand, yeah, you're so holy. We barter with God, but we lie to God. And here's the thing, here's the thing about it. Nothing that, God doesn't just know what we're gonna do, he knows what we thought we were gonna do. He, He sees our intentions. Let me give you someone else who we lie to a lot. We don't consider it, ready? We lie to ourselves. And this is where we spend a lot of time lying. We lie to us. And how many of us have found ourselves in problems because we're going about life and we've told ourselves things that we know are complete fabrications. We lie to ourselves. Now, I want you to look at this. Let's actually read this verse. This is Proverbs again. We're all in Proverbs. Proverbs 28, 13. Whoever conceals their sins does not prosper, but the one who confesses and renounces them finds mercy. One of the greatest things that we have as Christians is the ability to bring things into the light. Years ago, um, gosh, man, I wish I should have asked my mom about this. Years ago, I was asked to do a wedding. I was a youth pastor at the time. Maybe I was actually getting ready to go to the mission field. I was in between either youth pastor or going to the mission field, and I was asked to do a wedding. It wasn't just any wedding. This was a wedding inside of our family, and it was a big deal. My granny, Granny Polly, who had gotten married to my papa, had gotten married, and then years ago, they had gotten divorced. Before they got divorced, they had three kids together, my mom being one of those kids. So they got divorced. My granny, she married two other men after she married my papa. Both of those men had passed away. My papa had married my granny Sally, and granny Sally had passed away, and so years later, after they had been married and then divorced and separated and remarried to other people, they started reconnecting again and they, they wanted to get married. I have never seen my granny like a little, like little schoolgirl ever in my life until she was getting married to my papa. And my family asked me if I would be willing to do the wedding. So we go down to Beaufort, South Carolina. We get all the things and I, it was, I, I, Granny, do you marry papa to be your lawful wedded husband? And she was looking purty. She was looking purty. Hair done. Papa, do you take granny? 
And you can just see kind of the healing in our family dynamic, like years of this stuff, and you can see it. And I'll never forget the first dance, my uncle, we have the phenomenon, he's just playing a song, and we just watched them dance. And it was beautiful. I mean, it, it was awesome. And everyone went to their homes, everyone back to their lives, and a couple of months later after that, get a call that my papa had fallen down in, 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 in the home and granny had rushed him to the hospital and that he had multiple cancerous tumors that were growing in his body and he was only given a couple of months to live and then eventually passed. And my mind goes to the image on that, the wedding day and the joy that they had and just how joyful my granny was. My, gran- my granny's still living with us She's in Raleigh now and, and uh, has been to our church actually many times to visit. Um, but it goes to that image of them dancing. And on the outside, I mean, and it was from the inside, even their hearts were filled with joy. It seemed like everything was fine and nobody knew on that day that inside of my papa, cancerous tumors were growing that were gonna take his life. No one knew until eventually it came out because he fell. And so the way God operates is this, is he sees everything in in us. And on the outside, things can appear like everything is going well. And we live in a society that, that, like, lie. Lie to get ahead. Be selfish. Be a jerk. Manipulate. Do whatever you need to do. And yet God comes in and says, that is not the best way to live. And, And my mind goes to the wedding. Everything seemed good on the outside, but on the inside, there was something corrupting his body. And I'm here to tell you something. Sin is the same way. On the outside, everything may appear to be good. But on the inside, it can be corrupted. It can be broken. It can be damaged. And you can find yourself in unbelievable places of pain. And yet God in his mercy says this. If you confess your sins, I am faithful and just to forgive them. And this is what God does that you will not find anywhere else. It's the act of confession that when you're bound up and tied up, that when you can't keep track of, when you can't keep track of, of all these different things, God says this, if you come to me, I promise you I can give you a fresh start. And you say, well, I've messed things up really bad. And God says, look at the Bible and see who I've used. Because all the people that he's used have messed it up really bad. Moses was a murderer. David was an adulterer. If you look at the disciples, they jack stuff up all the time. And yet God didn't throw them away. He used them. But there's this avenue that God does for all of us is this. Is first he says, lying is not the path to go on. And then he says this, if you've messed up in a lot of ways, I'm here to tell you something, you can be free. It's the most beautiful thing. It's this act of confession. And here's the thing with my papa. We didn't know until then. And then we, when he fell and then we realized he had all these things inside of him. Here's the thing, for us, this act of confession, the reason why it's scary is because we think if we bring our stuff into the light, then God is gonna expose us and we are going to be ruined. That's the lie the enemy tells you to keep you bound. So let me give you two things with confession, ready? It's beautiful, the first is this, I want you to know that you can confess to God and receive forgiveness today. By the way, it's not like God doesn't already know. I just wanted you to say, it's not like he doesn't know the lies that you've spoken or things that you've said or or if it's something else. He knows. And by the way, he loves you so much. The illustration I give for this is 
a couple of years ago, my son got into a pretty bad accident. And I've shared, I've used this, like he had to have a skin graft and his hand to this day still marks the scars of where his hand got into a bad accident. I'm here to tell you something as a dad, I don't go to, this is my youngest, he's four, getting ready to be five. I don't go to him and look at his hand where his scar is and be like, I don't love that hand. It's an ugly hand. How come your hand can't be pretty like your other hand? Do you, do you hear me? I don't do that. I grab my son's hand where it's scarred and marred. Actually, I did this the other day and I, got, and I kissed it and I said, I love your hand. Somehow you think that the things that you've done are gonna make God look at you and be like, I hate you. I'm here to tell you in the name, in the name of Jesus that sets you free from the lies that you believed. When you confess to God, what happens is this. God looks at you and says, I know and I love you anyway. I forgive you. Now is the time for a fresh start. So confess to God and receive forgiveness. Here's the next one, ready? Confess to the appropriate people and receive healing. If you've lied to someone in particular, if you found yourself in a place where you've known, I had a situation in my life where I, where I had wronged someone in a really bad way. And for years I had wronged and I knew I was in sin. This is, this is, I don't remember, this is like maybe 20, like 15 years ago. And, and it haunted me in my heart. And it caused a, a break between God and I on some levels because I knew God wanted me to confess it to this person but I also didn't want to confess it to this person. And so there was always something between God and I, and then there was always something between this person and I. And it was like, I will never forget in my mind the day that I was like, you know what? I can't live like this anymore. And I got on the phone and I called the individual and I said, I need to tell you something. And I was scared. But the feeling of before having confessed does not pale in comparison to after I did and I was free from this thing that I had been hiding for so long. And that person on the other line, to his credit, was gracious. And it was this beautiful thing. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, let me just finish this passage of scripture and then we're done. I want you to see this. This is from James chapter five, ready? And I want you to look at this. This is a well-known passage of scripture talking about if you're sick, have the elders pray for you, ready? Is anyone among you in trouble? Let them pray. Is anyone happy? Let them sing songs of praise. Is anyone among you sick? Let them call on the elders of the church to pray over them. By the way, after in between services, if you see the elders praying, we're taking James 5 seriously. And anoint them with oil in the name of the Lord. And I have oil when I can anoint people. And the prayer offered in faith will make a sick person well, and the Lord will raise them up. Ready? If they have sinned, they will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that, ready, you may be healed. I want you to see this. The condition of healing is also based on a confession of healing. How can you heal what's hidden? And we think that God can heal what's hidden. God can, listen, God can heal what we bring into the light. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. All right, I'm gonna do this. I'm gonna close in prayer. And I want you to bow your heads and I want you to close your eyes. And in a while, the prayer team's gonna come up here, but I'm gonna do this because I know that in this room, there is deception and lying. I know that in this room that there is a wondering, Lord, if I bring things into the light, Lord, whatever has been hidden, will it get exposed or what happens? Lord, we know, first, that you confront us in, in the way we use our words, that you want us to be honest, men and women of integrity, and dear Heavenly Father, we, 
I just pray right now for every person in this room right now. First, anyone who is bound up and chained by lies, whether it's because of lying to others or to you or themselves, I pray in the name of Jesus, the enemy would not gain ground. I pray for freedom, that your truth, that wants to set the captives free, that your truth, that wants to redeem and buy us back, would, would allow us to interact with truth in a way that we wouldn't be afraid of being exposed, but that, Lord, that we would be able to be healed. I pray for all the lies. I pray, Lord, for all the things, Lord. I pray, God, that you would bring your healing hand to touch and to work and to move in your name with this, Lord. And for anybody, Lord, Lord, who just needs to bring it to you, I'm gonna give a little bit of room right now, Lord, just to bring that, that deceptiveness, that lie up. I thank you, Jesus, for the lies being confessed. And that God, you are a God of forgiveness. And that they don't have to leave the same way they came. They can leave with a fresh start, a new day, clean, no longer anything hidden between you and them. I pray, Jesus, that you would do these things in your precious holy name. Amen, amen, and amen. Thanks for listening to the Renovation Church Sermon Podcast. Find out more about following Jesus and building his kingdom at the renovation.church.